Betty bought a bit of butter, but the bit of butter Betty bought was bitter. Hi, my name is Denek. I'm an English teacher from the Czech Republic, and you're listening to my podcast called Denek's English Podcast. Here is another episode. Have fun. Girls and boys, women and men, and dogs and cats, and everyone who is listening to this podcast episode, I am back again with yet another episode for you. My name is Denek, and you are listening to Denek's English Podcast. In this episode, we are going to be looking at the language. The language. English language, of course, because this is an English podcast. Wouldn't that be ridiculous if uh, I was... Um, t- speaking English and talking about a different language. It would be a bit hypocritical. Hypocritical? Yeah, baby. Anyway, the episode we are doing today is about glottal stop. Spelled G-L-O-T-T-A-L stop. As in stop talking, Zdenek. This has been enough. What? Glottal what? What are you on about, Zdenek? What is this episode about? Did I hear you clearly? Or is there something with my ears? Or do I have to get them checked by an ENT, ENT specialist? ENT? What's ENT? You're making this even more complicated, Zdenek. First it was a glottal stop. And now this abbreviation ENT? What? ENT, dear listeners, stands for Hospital Department. Uh, An ENT doctor is a doctor who treats problems related to throat, nose and ear infections. As in, throat starts with T, nose starts with N and ear starts with E. Right? So ENT, like tonsillitis, etc. Also, ENT is a tree from the Lord of the Rings. But that is a story for another podcast. Glotal stop or glottal stop. This is a language episode, and I haven't done one of these for a while. Um, basically, language can be divided into a lot of subdisciplines. Um, off the top of my head, lexicology, discourse, syntax, morphology, lexicography, semiotics, pragmatics, uh, development of the language, and then there are two studies that focus, or, or subdisciplines rather, that focus on pronunciation. Namely, they are phonology and phonetics. I never know which one is which, because I keep making mistake in not distinguishing between these two. And I'm sorry if I'm wrong, uh, don't take my word for it, but I believe phonetics focuses on how, how the sounds are made and where, like which articulatory organs are used, like if you use your tongue, let's say, and your lips, you would speak about bilabial sounds, for instance, yeah? M, w, and p are bilabial sounds, because we use lips to produce them, and you also need a tongue uh, to to block, not black, to block the airflow. Uh, Also, we can speak about whether the sound is voiced or voiceless, obviously a voiced sound. Uh, When we're talking about the voiced sound, the vocal cords vibrate. If you put your finger on uh, your throat like this, I don't think you can see it, but you know, you can imagine it, um, and you um, make the sound, then if your vocal cords vibrate, if you uh, can um, feel the vibration, then we are talking about a voiced sound. So for example, if you say it sounds like my mobile phone vibrating, right? Like if you put it in an airport mode, uh, airplane mode, uh, that's exactly what it sounds like. Or if you accidentally switch up your uh, ringing or your, let's say, sounds, uh, but you leave the vibration on, so then it's like v, 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 like in the word vibrate or vibrator. <clears throat> but if you say f, f, and you put your, put your, um, thumb on the on the throat you can't really feel anything there is no vibration whatsoever so pff is a voiceless sound 
So that's what uh, phonetics um, studies, but also what's the difference between vowels and consonants? Basically vowels, there's no obstruction to the airflow. You just say ah, eh, ah, uh, no obstruction to the airflow, whereas with consonants, you, you usually use a tongue to obstruct the airflow, like m, b, p, k, s, th, and so on. Right? These are consonants, so that's the main difference. So this would be the study of phonetics, and the glottostop is what we um, would, I guess, study in phonetics. But also there is phonology, so phonology deals with suprasegmental features like intonation, word stress, sentence stress, and aspects of connected speech, and so on. So, um, in this episode, we're going to be uh, looking at a specific aspect or a specific chapter of um, phonetics, I believe it is. I hope I'm not wrong. If I'm wrong, then you can always um, um, uh, sue me. I don't think you can sue me, and I don't think you will sue me, because why would you sue me? Why would you? I prepared this episode for you. It's actually one of those that is well prepared, it's scripted, it's in Google Documents. So by the way, if you're interested in it, feel free to message me. If you want, I can send you the transcript. Okay, I'm not going to be publishing it because I want to encourage you to communicate with me. I have recently received one message of a listener who specifically asked me for the transcript and because I had it, well, I sent it to him. But I don't always have a transcript and I often go off the script. Like right now, I'm going off the script. This is not written in my script, okay? Anyway, this episode is supposed to be about a glottal stop and I still did not explain what the hell it is. So basically, it is a sound. So if you look at IPA, now what the hell is IPA, I hear you asking. Zdenek, stop using these abbreviations and terms and stop basically showing off, uh, you language geek. Okay, that's the worst insult I came up with. Basically, you can Google IPA. It's um, International Phonetic Alphabet. And it stands um, for all languages. It's, it's basically all the sounds that are present. Present? No. Present? No. It's basically all the sounds that are present in uh, human speech. And uh, we are specifically looking at English IPA. Okay, English phonetic alphabet. That is all sounds that appear in English language. So these sounds are divided into two main categories, vowels and consonants. I've already explained the difference. A uh, glottal stop would be a consonant, but it is sort of out of the it is sort of outside of the scope or on the edge. It's because it is a sound which is not needed in most cases when you're speaking English, and yet some natives use it a lot, specifically in certain accents. So if you speak Queen's English or RP English, received pronunciation or BBC English or whatever it is called you don't probably use this so much. Probably you don't use it at all. Because um, uh, in heightened speech, uh, this is undesirable. You shouldn't use this uh, glottal stop sound. You might, find it, you might find it as part, although, interestingly, you might find it as part of our life if you, for example, cough. Um, cough, you know, that sound like... <coughs> So does a glottal stop ring a bell now? What is it? I haven't really pronounced it yet. Well, actually I have on purpose, but it was not overt. It was covert, it was hidden, it was not pronounced explicitly. That's because I want to keep you in suspense as for as long as I can. So what's this sound? What does it sound like? Okay, so in case you haven't figured it out yet, the sound sounds like drum roll, drum roll, I don't think this is the sound of a drum roll, by the way. I just couldn't remember what it sounds like. But the sound I'm talking about, the glottal stop, the famous glottal stop, sounds like uh, 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 which is something like coughing, maybe? Uh, 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 uh. Okay, maybe it sounds more like a sick dog barking, a dog that does not have vocal cords. That doesn't make sense. Actually, you need to have vocal cords to be able to say uh, but a sick dog without a tongue. I don't think you need a tongue um, to produce this sound, actually. Let me let me try not to use my tongue and produce this sound. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, you don't need a tongue. So 
The thing is, this sound is used extensively in some accents, namely in Cockney accent, but not, not just in Cockney accent. If you look at IPA, each of these sounds corresponds, we will talk about it later a little bit more, but if you look at IPA, each of these sounds uh, in IPA basically corresponds to a symbol. In other words, a symbol is assigned to a sound. Often the symbol is the same as the letter, and it is pronounced the way you would expect to be pronounced. Well, if I lost you there, I think I need to give you an example. So, for instance, the symbol for s sound um, looks exactly like the letter. So, it's, it's exactly the same as letter S, right? And it is pronounced as s, right? So, I, I guess this is not difficult. Uh, in the same way, you have f. And you, you, of course, the letter is F, and um, the symbol in IPA looks like letter F. It's exactly the same. The same v, v, v you know, it's the same thing. The 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 sound that is used um, in vibration of your phone. <laughs> um, so that's easy. But look at let's say letter C. In English, it is usually pronounced as k sound, right? Like as in letter K, but that's that's confusing because actually that is the letter K is pronounced K as well. So what is going on here? So in IPA we would have to use a symbol for K. The symbol is what you would use as the first letter of the word King, for example. That's the symbol, right? So it looks like the letter K, okay? Not key, by the way. Some of my students, so when they when a spell, like when, when we have a spelling competition or something, they often mis misspell letter K for key. But key is a different thing. That's what you use for opening your door. A locked door, ideally. Okay. In other words, the symbol K or key or K, whatever, is used to transcribe pronunciation of words which have letter C and K, but also CH, as in uh, chemistry. So what's my point here? My point is that the sound, letter and symbol in IPA don't often correspond in English. And that's what makes English so hard sometimes. It just complicates things on the whole. The question is, does one need to know these symbols? The teacher certainly does need to know those symbols because you need to un it helps you understand language and it helps you teach it. And a, a good learner sort of needs this too, I believe. Although the case could be made that it's less and less needed, the pronunciation using these IPA symbols is found in dictionaries. Like you have to, like um, phonetic transcription, it's called. So you will find it in brackets. Uh, the brackets, you know, there are a lot of different types of brackets in English, right? Uh, or in general, you have brackets used for mathematical calculations. You have um, different sorts of brackets. You can find some brackets on your uh, keyboard, for example. Uh, but these brackets uh, are specific and they are basically forward slashes. So two forward slashes. So you have a forward slash, the word, uh, um, uh, the transcription of the word, and then another forward slash. So that's how you know this is uh, pronunciation uh, in IPA. And uh, these days electronic dictionaries have a little icon which you click and then you can hear how the word is actually pronounced. So perhaps IPA is needed less for you as a learner. I think uh, it's reasonable to uh, suppose this. Anyway, it is a fascinating subject for sure. And I love exploring this topic. I love IPA and um, I, I have loved it ever since I understood it. Before that, prior to that, I loved it less. Yeah, I noticed that when I was at Delta and Celta, a lot of the candidates there, including the native speakers, struggled with this and that's because they had never learned it before but i didn't because i learned it at a university and uh, i had specifically subjects of phonetics and phonology i had the whole semester devoted to these um, disciplines to these ling linguistic disciplines so our professors and teachers made sure that we really understood uh, this ipa international phonetic alphabet so what's the actual symbol for the uh, sound. Um, well, if I try to describe what it looks like, um, 
It's like a question mark, but there is no dot at the bottom of it. Okay, so that's how it looks. That's how the symbol for uh looks. Um, so how does one pronounce this sound? How should I explain to you, like if, if you struggle pronouncing it? So how would I um, explain to you how to say it? How to produce it? Like which articulatory organs would you use and so on? Well, 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 it is easy. Just get sick. For instance, go outside when there is harsh winter, like minus five degrees. I believe it could be right now, uh, actually, uh, in the Czech Republic or Czechia. <clears throat> and um, don't wear any clothes when you go there. That's very important. Be completely naked and stay there for a bit. One minute, two minutes is not enough, okay? Uh, it, it's definitely not enough. In fact, it could have the opposite effect if you do that. It could actually boost, boost, no, boost your immunity system, like sauna. You know, this is how sauna works. You change hot and cold conditions to make your body more resilient, you know? You sort of um, get used to it and your body becomes stronger and more resistant and whatnot. So to get sick as a parrot, you actually need to stay outside a bit longer. And you need to be completely naked. And do not do this in a public place, okay? Um, you might get taken photos of and end up on social media. Or worse, someone might call the police and you could be fined or even jailed for it depending on which country you live in and what the laws are, of course. So I think you should do it at home. I think it's reasonable to say that. So to repeat, go outside, don't wear anything if you would, and ideally don't make any movement to keep yourself warm. Don't keep yourself warm, okay? Just um, be there, stay still, because you want to be cold and you want to catch a cold ASAP. You need to undercool. You need to get... Uh, hypothermia. That's the desirable state here. And once that happens, chances are you'll catch something and start coughing. Uh, I'm not talking about a mouse or, or catching uh, something physically, okay? It's, it's a metaphor. You catch a cold. You could, you could accidentally catch something else, right? You could um, catch something else. And if you do, then you probably did not follow the manual to the letter. Okay, so it would be kind of your fault. But if you followed exactly what I told you, you should be able to catch a cold. Okay, some people say that a glottal stop sound is like a hiccup. Now, what is a hiccup? Well, hiccups are very common and most people have hiccups at some time, at some point in their life. Um, most simple cases of hiccups come after eating or drinking too much or too quickly. The stomach gets irritated and that's, that's when hiccups happen. <coughs> I don't know. I don't think I, I'm doing it right because I don't actually remember hiccups sounds because I don't have hiccups personally. But I know some people do and some people sort of suffer from it. And I know it can be a serious thing sometimes, but often it's not. Uh, often it's just um, something that happens to people and it's sort of a source of laughter often you know it can be hilarious when someone has a fit of hiccups that's when they can't stop making hiccups yeah anyway don't actually do this don't hurt yourself in any way um, in either of these two suggested ways it's not worth it there is another way and i can teach you how this sound is pronounced this uh sound because i found a video where a teacher describes how it is pronounced so follow along and do not hurt yourself in the process and definitely do not laugh while doing so because that's how you could hurt yourself. Or if you laugh, the experiment is also bound to fail. Okay, so A, you have to stop the airflow in your throat, you know, so you breathe. Okay, so how, how do we actually speak? Well, we speak like this. You breathe in uh, to get some air into your lungs. And then, of course, um, you need to get some um, air out, yeah? And that's how we speak. We speak by exhaling. I don't think you can speak when you're inhaling. Can you? You're listening? 
You're listening to Zenix now. You we speak when we are exhaling, when we when we are breathing out. I think that's how we speak. Yeah? So we need airflow to produce the sound. So first you have to stop this airflow in your throat. How on earth do I do that, Zdenek? I actually have no clue, guys. They did not describe it in the video. They just said, do this. We don't care how, just do it, okay? Just try, just try. And as you do this, as you stop your airflow in your throat, try holding your breath, but not with your lips or tongue, but with your throat muscles. What? There are muscles in a throat? I don't remember working these out in a gym. So, hold your breath, but not with lips and tongue. That would be too easy. That would be cheating. Don't cheat, okay? Don't cheat. I can see you there. I can see that cheat cheat underneath your desk. I can see that you have something written on your forearm. Why are you using that digital clock? Who are you talking to? Teacher, I'm not talking. It's just Morse code. What? Anyway, just don't cheat, okay? Use throat muscles. If you don't know where your throat muscles are, then we are in the same boat. Uh, <clears throat> I guess they are in your throat. I guess that's where they have to be. So, and then, after that, release the air by relaxing your throat muscles. So again, for point C, you actually have to know where the muscles are and how to use them. <laughs> And give yourself a pat on the back if you got this far and you actually managed to follow my instructions. Well done, you. Sorry, that might have sounded a bit too patronizing. Don't congratulate yourself. The reward is the actual release, you know, the release of air and the fact that you survived and that you didn't laugh and you didn't have to go outside in freezing cold conditions and stay there uh, for 10 minutes naked. Okay, the reward is you did it, following the manual. Oh, or uh, there is an easier way, basically just say, uh, just say it, okay? Don't follow any complicated, convoluted uh, instructions, just say, uh, okay? Like when you're trying to lift something heavy, like a big rock or a boulder or something, just say, uh, and then you say it. Oh, by the way, bend your knees when you're lifting that heavy thing, be careful. Um, because you might uh, get hurt. Seriously, if you end up hurting yourself because of listening to this ape episode, not ape, episode, episode, welcome to Zdenex English Podcast. This is a podcast about apes. You're listening to episode one. <laughs> okay, that would be a podcast about monkeys, I guess. So, I wanted to say, if you end up hurting yourself because of listening to this episode, make sure you have life insurance. Okay, let's just sign a contract and then you will get a lot of money because it's quite likely that you will hurt yourself during this episode. If if things go wrong, um, this is a disclaimer, okay? I, um, I did not put you up to this. I was just showing you how to produce this sound. It's just for linguistic purposes, okay? It's not something you have to do. Right? It's something you may do if you want to. Right. Enough of cuffing and hiccuping. Let us take a look at where in language we can find global stops. Let's explore the vocabulary. Let's go a little bit deeper because this has been too superficial. We need to go deep in this topic, in this subject of linguistics. Because we are geeks. I don't know why I'm using royal we. I don't think it's necessary. Um, I should speak for myself, I guess. I should say I am a geek. So, when are the glottal stops used? Well, they are used, for instance, in interjections. Uh, for example, the uh-oh sound. That's when you are surprised. You could use uh-oh. It sounds like that old sound that ICQ used to make. You know ICQ? Remember that? Does anybody remember ICQ here? Or am I just so old now. It was what we used before Skype came along, I believe. And uh, it was a great messaging program. I really enjoyed ICQ. And I think the, um, the icon for that program, if I remember it clearly, was um, a green flower. Was it a green flower? With um, a lot of petals? I don't know. But it was a great messaging app. 
And every single time you received a message on ICQ, you would hear, uh-oh, uh-oh. But often in language it's used uh, when you're surprised, often negatively. You say, uh-oh, what happened there? Uh-oh, I just farted. <laughs> okay. Or another one, it's another interjection. Interjections are these sounds, basically, that are hard to spell and write uh, because they are meant to be used um, in uh, spoken English, not really in written, unless you write a book in which you have some characters who use these sounds. But another interjection is, uh-uh, when you say, uh-uh, that's basically like saying, no, 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 no way, okay? Like, uh-uh. It sounds very patronizing indeed, doesn't it? You would talk like that to a kid. Would I use this as a teacher? Peter, pronounce a glottal stop for me, will you? Uh, uh, uh. That's not right, Peter. The sound is uh, not uh. I wouldn't actually repeat like that after my student. Or Claire, say a glottal stop, Claire, would you? No, that's what a ghost does. Or, James, how about you um, try pronouncing glottal stop for me? Okay, teacher. <sighs> um, no, wrong. Uh-uh. That's wrong. Uh-uh. Um, so, these were interjections. And uh, interjections are part of the language, of course. So, th this is when we could use uh. So, so far, we have talked about coughing, hiccuping, uh-uh, or uh-oh. So, these are interjections. But, of course... They also appear in normal words, less fancy words. We should first say that the most common usage of a glottal stop is called T-glottalization. T-glottalization uh, essentially means that the T sound, or the T, -t sound, gets replaced for uh, As in better, instead of better, you say better. You sort of cut the T off, slice it in half, but uh, be careful not to um, puke when you do that. You should not throw up when you say bah, <coughs> bah. No, uh, you have to become a natural. Uh, you have to become a glottal stop speaker or user or glottal stopper, something stopper or something like that. Sorry about that sound, by the way. Um, I guess uh, somebody thinks that I have been recording this for long enough, but unfortunately, that's not the case, or perhaps fortunately for you, because I'm pretty sure you're interested in this topic, aren't you? Are you following? Are you doing all right? Is everything clear so far? Has it been a clear lecture? Have I given you crystal clear examples? I hope so anyway. So we're talking about T-glottalization here, and that's when T sound or T sound is replaced by a glottal stop, as in better, better. So why is this T-glottalization a thing? Well, God knows. I guess it is easier to pronounce. Is it though? Is it when you say better? Is that easier than better? Hmm, I wonder. Perhaps the reason people pronounce it better is because it just sounds cool. Um, maybe you want to have some sort of identity which goes against the establishment. It's like a form of protest, you know? Like, what happened with the Cockney slang, really? You know, uh, you don't want to be identified as as uh, somebody who is who has a posh accent. So to distinguish your own accent from the RP one, you uh, come up with. Uh. I guess that sounds plausible. Um, could be the case. Probably the the truth is somewhere in the middle. Probably this is a combination of both, because it sounds cool and because. Uh, it's easier to pronounce. Not for me, though. I had to learn to say this. I think it's easier to pronounce for native speakers. Um, but who knows? In which accents can we actually find this glottal stop? Now, I have established here that it's not used in RP, unless probably we are coughing, because I think you can cough in RP as well. Um, I have to use my phone. That is wonderful. That is splendid. I can't really use a posh accent because I haven't been brought up in a posh environment. But I don't know. 
I, I, I'm not sure if I don't think I'm, I'm doing it right. But um, I was attempting to use a posh accent, listeners, to, to do an impression of a posh accent. I think I need to do a lot, a lot of work on this. Uh, but certainly, I think you can cough and hiccup in um, a posh accent as well. And you can probably use those interjections, interjections like, uh-oh, even though would a posh person use uh-oh? I don't think so. I think it's beneath him um, or her, certainly. So, um, in which accents can we find um, these glottal stops? Well, the increased, and I'm, I'm quoting from basically Wikipedia now, because that's where I found um, uh, the information about the accents. The increased use of glottal stops within RP is believed to be an influence from Cockney and other working class urban speech. Ah, so basically I've just uh, denied what I said before. I have just debunked my own words. Okay, so what they are saying is that actually it's used in RP more and more. Right. Hmm. But is it really used in the clearest form of RP? I don't think so. Anyway, glottalization is believed to have been spreading in southern England. So it seems like it's very common in the south of England. You find it in other accents too. Um, I believe in Bristol accent, uh, Bristol accent, and in Scottish, in Scottish People who are from Scotland, right? I'm from Scotland. Uh, okay, uh, check this out. Fun fact, recent studies from 1994 and 2000, that's not that recent, um, they have suggested that T-glotalization is increasingly in RP speech. Prince Harry frequently glotalizes his T's. Huh, interesting enough. So Prince Harry, hmm. Well, I guess he could be just uh, rebelling against his parents or against the royal blood. Who knows why he's doing that? I think he wants to sound cool. So the glottal stop is most commonly used to replace T or T sound, but it is apparently possible with other letters, like to replace other letters, such as in clipboard, 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 clip, clip, clipboard. I can't say it. Clipboard would be um, the correct way to say it, but you can say it with glottal stop, like clipboard. You can hear it there slightly, I guess. And then background, back, background, background. I don't know, I can't really do this. So the point is here that it can be done with other letters too, by replacing other letters, but the most common ones are those that replace T's, not T. Not, I'm not talking about tea you drink, right? I'm talking about the letter T. Um, I did a little brainstorming, listeners, uh, because I was trying to come up with as many glottal stop sounds as I could, uh, as in words, right? As many words which contain glottal stops, that's what I wanted to say here. Yeah, and uh, before I get to that, let's ask ourselves this question. Should one actually use glottal stops? Should we as teachers encourage our students to do that? Hmm, probably not because it's not necessary to use them and students could get it wrong too. The thing is, not everywhere where you have T, where you have letter T in English, you can replace it with a glottal stop. For example, you cannot replace it in words like T, you know, like T-E-A. You cannot just say E, that doesn't work. Or teacher, eacher, no. Or tired, iet, mm-mm, uh-uh. That does not work. So, as you can see, all these three words that I gave you as an example, they uh, start with the letter T. So, T is the initial letter in those sounds, and the rule is you cannot do it uh, with such words. So, if a word starts with T, it is not possible. And also, it is not possible if the first letter of a stressed syllable in a word uh, is T. Now, that means that the actual word can start with a different letter, but the first, let's say the first syllable is unstressed. For example, hotel. Yeah, you can't say ho-l. It just doesn't work. Or protect. You can't say pro-act. No. Or attack. Act. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. Or retarded. That's really retarded. Re-arded. No, no, no. I retreat. Re-read? No. Why is there a cat meowing outside? 
What is happening? I guess this cat wants to learn about glottal stops. Do you think cats would be able to produce a glottal stop? I wonder. By this point, I should probably be saying glottal stop, <laughs> just to prove my point here. But I still keep saying glottal stop. I guess the teacher in me is speaking here. Anyway, I wonder if by the end of this episode, I actually say glottal. Um, yeah, just to, just to repeat, uh, you cannot always use a glottal stop when uh, there is T in a word. Okay? You have to be careful. It must not be a stressed syllable and it must not be at the start of a word. If you make a mistake like that, it just would sound funny and it would give you away as a non-native speaker. Which I guess is okay, but, you know, we shouldn't overdo it. So, what would I say to my students? I think I would teach it, though, because I like it. It's fun. The students should be aware of this, I believe, just like they should be aware of swear words. I teach my students swear words not because I want them to actually use the swear words actively. Just like I wouldn't teach glottal stops to my students to actually actively use it. It's fun in jokes or in, as part of comedy and perhaps it could help you socialize, it could help you become a part of community, like a language community, possibly. Um, because, you know, often it is the accent that determines us, that um, gives us some sort of identity. And, uh, you know, so if you want to have an identity of someone sounding like a native speaker, I guess you could try to learn using glottal stop or glottal stop. So I have a few stories to tell you. Basically, when I was working in England back in 2006, and I was talking about this in Luke's English podcast, of course, famously, um, I was working among Cockney speakers, and Cockney speakers are very, very uh, famous for using glottal stops. I remember specifically two moments when they spoke to me with Cockney accent, and I just didn't get it. I just didn't understand what they wanted me to do. And these, these two cases were both very important. They were instructions. And the reason I remember it is because I was so embarrassed that I didn't understand what they wanted me to do. And when you are embarrassed, that's when you're very likely to actually learn the language. It sounds strange, but it is true. Okay? Of course, the embarrassment shouldn't, shouldn't basically hinder progress. So if it's too much, if you're embarrassed too much, it could actually lead to some psychological problem like anxiety. So that's too bad. But if it's just a little bit, I guess it's healthy to be embarrassed a bit. Okay, a bit. If you mean it in a good way, if it's for educational purposes, if you learn from your mistakes, because as we know, failures are the best teacher. Uh, where did I hear this? I think in Luke's English podcast. Thanks, Luke for that wonderful quote. Um, basically, I was very embarrassed and let me tell you what happened. So I was working on a construction site and um, somebody wanted me to pass them a tool. And um, they were saying, pass me an Emma, pass me an Emma, give me an Emma. I was like, what, what? I actually didn't say what. I said, what? Because at the time I couldn't say what. Um, Pass me an Emma. Now I know what they were saying is actually pass me a hammer. Actually, I knew it even before that because uh, they just took it by themselves. Wh whoever this person was, and I believe it was a male. So he, he was uh, my boss and he just took the hammer by himself and he looked at me in this um, sort of condescending way. Like, what are you doing here, you Eastern European? You don't understand English. In it. Mm -hmm. So that was one case, and then was a, there was a second case when I was holding something in my hand. I believe it was uh, like glass that is put in a window. Is it called a peng of window? Peng, is it? I don't know. I don't remember anymore. Anyway, it was a piece of glass, and we were uh, there were several of us holding that, and he just said, "Let go, let go." I was like, "What?" I just had no idea what they are talking about, and. It turned out it meant let it go. So these are just examples when um, I got something wrong. And this, this only proves that you should actually know about these variations in accents. You should be able to understand different accents when you're learning English. So that justifies me teaching a 
not only on this podcast, not uh, only in this episode, but also also in my classes. Okay, because if I had known uh, that Emma means hammer uh, or let it go means let it go. In this case, it's not necessarily a glottal stop, but it's basically a omission of h sound in Emma, like uh, Emma. Is it is it a uh, Emma? Emma? I don't think it's a glottal stop there actually in this case, but it's omission of h, which happens in Cockney a lot, and then um, the fact that let it go t omission in this case let it go let it go. I don't think there is a um, um, glottal stop there. But the point is that I am fully justified to teach this, okay? I love glottal stops, guys. I do love it. I just find it so funny. I can't explain why. It's very, very satisfying once you figure it out, I think. Once you know that you can just say uh in some words, remember you cannot use it in stressed syllables and in uh, words that start with T, but it's just like as if you crack a code or something. The moment when you realize that you can do it, you can sound like a native speaker in that, it's just so so rewarding, so satisfying. So I guess this is how I fell in love with this sound. And uh, I don't really use it that much. I don't use it in my class, definitely not, because I want to sound as clear as possible to my students. I don't really use it here on this podcast, but I sometimes use it with my friends. For example, uh, when we have a laugh with Nrup, when we have fun, uh, we are bantering, we often use glottal stop because Nrup, Nrup can do it as well. Remember Nrup, uh, my ex-student from India? Yeah, the one that is now studying medicine. Yeah, I think he was in Road to Civilization episode, in the recent episode of Road to Civilization. So, yeah. Do you guys want to practice using glottal stops? So what I'm going to do now is that I'm going to go through a lot of words here because I've actually done a little bit of brainstorming here. I have written down a lot of words which have this glottal stop in them or this T sound that can be replaced with a glottal stop. And then um, you will hear a lot of examples. Also, I will give you an opportunity to try and practice to repeat after me. I will show you the difference in pronunciation. Uh, oh, did I give you an impression that glottal stop is only used in Cockney slang? No, not at all. It's it's what a common speaker of English would basically use. Usually, uh, T's are only pronounced by English teachers, the Queen, the BBC speakers, uh, the members of Parliament, people like that. Um, but often, um, normal people in speech marks, normal people would actually use glottal stop. So it's super common. Okay, so let me go through the words that I came up with here. Uh, so I've got the word glottal, right? So you can say glottal. Daughter, daughter, daughter. Shorter, short, shorter, shorter. Important, you can say important, important. Fountain, fountain, fountain. Humiliated, humiliate it. Excited, excited. Lot of, lot of, lot of people. Sort of. This glottal stop is sort of easy. This glottal stop is sort of easy, sort of. Shut up, you can say shut up, shut up. Now, you may have heard shut up, shut up. That's because shut up, it sounds more American because Americans often use d sound instead of t sound, but um, in British English you would hear shut up a lot, shut up, because this is often used in spoken English, like especially when someone is angry. When someone is angry, they want to say this expression fast. They don't really think about it, so they would just say shut up, shut up, you fool. Kettle, put the kettle on, love, would you? Kettle, mutton, mutton as in um, kind of meat. Is mutton from, oh my God, I'm embarrassing myself here. I think mutton is basically sheep meat. I hope I'm right. Mutton. Uh, matter, what's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? Uh, later, see you later, later. See you later, alligator. <laughs> um, 
utter, to utter something, to say something, which sounds a bit funny because utter is more formal. So you would say, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't think anybody would say that. I want to uh-uh a few words. No, that sounds like uh-uh. <laughs> uh, you see that uh-uh, utter example, it's um, like an oxymoron, you know? It's like, if you want to speak in an informal way, you wouldn't use a word like that. Ergo, you would never say uh-uh. But technically, you could say uh-uh, utter, uh-uh. I can't say it. I can't say it. Uh, better, better, butter, butter. Then Scotland is Scotland, Scotland. Then community, community, community. And then it is, can be it is, it is, it, 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 it is. <laughs> computer is computer, computer. Computer says nah, computer says nah. It's from IT crowd, isn't it? Computer says nah. I don't know, did he say computer or computer? I don't remember anymore. Beautiful is beautiful, beautiful. She is so beautiful. You are so beautiful. So if I'm trying to chat up a Cockney girl, I might say, you are so beautiful. Actually, I'm not sure that a Cockney girl would like to hear um, a compliment like that. Speaking of which, I hope that Luke one day records um, an episode of the podcast about how to chat up an English girl, how to court an English girl, how to get an English bird, a bird. <laughs> it was an accident slip there, a Freudian slip, but it's an actual word. We use bird for a girl. It's slightly derogatory, I think, maybe slightly pejorative, but um, lads and blokes use it a lot. How to get an English bird into bed? I'm sure Luke would like to record an episode like that in his podcast. <clears throat> wing, wing, nudge, nudge. Luke, I hope you do it one day. I think it would be very useful indeed and very fun subject as well. Um, okay, so then we have got shutter, shutter, authority, authority, authority. Personality is personality. Utterance is utterance. <laughs> Utterance. Utterance. That sounds strange. Good night is good night. No, that's wrong. That's actually wrong. There, uh, there is no glottal stop. It's just an omission of T. You see? That that one is not a glottal stop. But party is party. Kitten is kitten. Italy is Italy. Fitter. I'd like to be fitter. I'd like to be fitter. Uh, strategy is strategy. Strategy. Button is button. Carton is curtain. Sorry, curtain is curtain. Potato is potato. Potato. That's one of my favorite ones. Potato. 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 So, potato. Can you actually say potato? Potato. Potato. Why do we say potato and not potato and not potato? Hmm. I don't know. What's the rule here? But I think it's definitely potato. This is how I how I heard it. Um, city is city. Rotten is rotten, like rotten meat. Rotten meat. Rotten mutton. <laughs> pudding. Pudding. Like um, the ing form of the verb put. Pudding. Uh, she's putting on weight. Uh, cutting someone off. To cut someone off. I remember that one from Arsenal Fan TV because it's a YouTube channel when you actually have got fans arguing about uh, football, of course, after after football matches of Arsenal. And because recently Arsenal haven't been doing that well, there's a lot of uh, disappointment and the, the fans are gutted, so they often argue with one another. There is one episode, one famous episode with Ty arguing with Claude. You might be able to find it if you Google. And uh, Ty is basically saying that Claude keeps cutting him off. And he says something like, Are you cutting me off? Are you cutting me off? Stop cutting me off. Are you having a go at me? Something like that. So basically, they are cutting each other off. They're cutting each other off, as in interrupting. Anyway, um, I've got a headache. I've got a headache. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a headache. I've got a headache. Okay, so instead of 
got a headache, you say, I've got a headache. Why would you have a headache? Maybe because of you pronouncing these words. I've got a headache. I might actually have a headache, guys, now, because of me having to pronounce these words with uh. Now I don't actually have a headache because I enjoy pronouncing these words with uh. Flattery, flattery, um, flattering, flattering. This comment is rather flattering. <laughs> this comment is rather flattering. Again, it's like an oxymoron. You're combining posh accent with um, with um, cockney, maybe, or teglotalization accent uh, for a comedy effect or something like that. Um, university? University. I attend a university. I haven't been kicked yet. I guess I guess I will drop out in the second year. <clears throat> whatever, 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 whatever. Actually, is there a glottal stop in whatever? What whatever? I don't think there is actually whatever. I don't think there is listeners because it's just omission of t. So that one is wrong. But gata, gata, like the girl from you know Eliza Doolittle from Marfair Lady or. Um, what's the name of the GB show? GB show wrote this play. Basically, it's a theater play. Can't remember. Henry Higgins, come on, help me out there. What's the name of that famous play? What is it? Pygmalion, of course, it's Pygmalion. So the girl there actually speaks exactly like that. She's Cockney, and she uses a lot of glottal stops. So if you wanna watch a theater play about this, about linguistics. There is nothing better than Pygmalion. It's amazing thing, and you can also find it as an audiobook. And I believe it's even in um, it's even in public domain, which means that there is no royalty fee, so you can download it for free. I believe it's on LibriVox.org. Go there and Google Pygmalion. Google it as an audiobook. Uh, find it as an audiobook. Download it. Listen to it. You'll have a lot of fun. And they use the word Gaa because if you are from a Gaa. But that means that you're very low class and you come from um, from basically a um, family that doesn't have money. You live in poverty and maybe your parents are criminals or something like that. Positive, negative, you would say as positive, negative. Sophisticated, sophisticated. Why do you have to use so many sophisticated words? Words? Sounds too posh, actually. Um, Okay, and then there is one question mark. Could you actually say the name of the Russian president Putin with a glottal stop? Could you say Putin? I guess you could. I think you could. Putin. Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin. <laughs> I don't know. Mm, have you heard it like that? Listeners of the next English podcast uh, who are from Russia, please let me know. Also, it could be used in expressions like caught her, brought her, caught her brought her attitude an attitude 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 is it attitude or attitude attitude or attitude it must be attitude attitude it's definitely attitude it's the same problem as we had in potato potato so in this case it's the first letter or it's the first t actually there are two t's in attitude but it's the first two t's that are glottalized so you say attitude not the second one. But in case of potato, it was poeto. Oh, wait, potato. Yeah, so it was the second one here. You've been listening to Zdenex English Podcast, a podcast with less change than anyone would expect. Okay, and the last thing I want to do here, and that's something I do because I'm a teacher, so if I don't do it, I will not do my job properly. I will give you a chance to repeat after me, okay? I have picked out a few words which I think are the, the most interesting ones for you to try and use glottal stops, okay? So repeat after me. Daughter, daughter. I have got a daughter. I've got a daughter. Beautiful, beautiful. I've got a beautiful daughter. I've got a beautiful daughter. Party, party. 
I've got a beautiful daughter who would like to go to a party. University. University. I've got a beautiful daughter that wants to go to a party, but she should study because she's at a university. <laughs> okay, I will stop. Um, okay, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. That's better. That's better. Scotland. Scotland. Zdenix English Podcast Community. Zdenix English Podcast Community. Potato. Potato. Computer. Computer. And that's about it. Okay, I think that's enough. So, yeah. This was some uh, drilling for you. Some practice, pronunciation practice. So I hope you tried to repeat after me. And now you will speak like uh, like a native speaker from a Ga'a. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I really have a blast going through these words and trying to pronounce them with uh, glottal stop. I love this, listeners. I hope it comes through in this episode of the podcast. And I hope that's also the reason this episode is enjoyable for you. And it's it's been a pleasure for you listening to it. If it hasn't, please let me know and I will uh, do a different kind of episode. But uh, that's what we wanted to do today. And there is a little bonus I have for you because I also dug up for you a few uh, tongue twisters. It's actually one tw tongue twister and one poem, which is sort of a tongue twister. So a tongue twister is, by the way, um, it's like a sentence which is used um, to teach a specific sound. It's often you. It's often given to kids um, to train uh, pronouncing correctly, like she sells seashells by the seashore or something like that. Uh, so there is one on glottal stop, which is rather hilarious because one should not really uh, learn to use this glottal stop. But anyway, I found one. So it's about a girl called Betty. Betty bought a bit of butter, but a bit of butter Betty bought was bitter. Betty bought a bit of butter, but the bit of bit. Uh, Betty bought a bit of butter, but the bit of butter Betty bought was bitter. Once again, Betty bought a bit of butter, but a bit of butter, but the bit of butter Betty bought was bitter. <laughs> okay, and then I also found a poem, and I believe because it's a poem, I should really uh, give you the reference. So it's uh, written by Kenneth Beer or Bear. I don't know. It's it's spelled B E A R E. Kenneth beer a bear I don't know and uh, it's taken from www.thoughtco.com okay so this is where you can find this poem and it's called Betty Butter or Betty Butter Betty Butter had some butter but she said this butter is bitter if I bake this bitter butter it would make my better bitter but a bit of better butter that would make my batter better so she bought a bit of butter, better than her bitter butter, but she baked it in her batter, and the batter was not bitter, so it was better Betty butter. Bought a bit of better butter. Wow, that's hard. That's hard. I will be honest with you. I had to edit this bit out a lot of times before I got it right. So that's all from me for today. I sincerely hope, I wholeheartedly hope, you enjoyed listening to this episode of Zdenix English Podcast. And all that remains me to say is, see you later. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot for listening. For more information, go to Zdenix English Podcast Facebook group or visit zdenixenglishpodcast.podbean.com. <laughs>